0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and enemies, everyone else that was excluded by the list, welcome. Welcome to Australia's one millionth best celebrant related podcast hosted by myself, Josh Withers. And also joining me is your host,
1: Sarah Ed. Hello, Sarah. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen it is no longer gender inclusive. We don't say that anymore, <laughs> Joshua Withers. But it's okay because you did say. Everyone else who was not included in that list. So, yeah, that's, you're good that's to how go. I'm
0: now using it. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else.
1: Yeah, don't say that either. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and all like of you. It's like calling someone it. <laughs> it's like so- calling someone it. No, just like friends and family, or beloved li- listeners, or all you lovely people who like to listen to us. Thanks so much for being here.
0: This is the Celebrant Talk Show and uh, that that uh, irreverent uh, beginning to the show uh, is a, a reference back to our conference uh, recently where the person who's joining us, who just flew in on that flight that landed over me... Uh, <laughs> We had a we had a, we had a vibrant discussion with, and we thought we'd invite him onto the podcast uh, because, well, he's uh, seen it all when it comes to weddings, particularly all of you guys, celebrants. Uh, so, Glenn McKay, welcome to the show.
2: It is excellent to be here. I don't think I offended it enough, celebrants at the conference. So, oh, you've brought me on to make sure I get <laughs> a lot more celebrants, insulted it seems.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the whole reason we're here. We thought, we thought Martha in Western Sydney doesn't hate you yet. <laughs> <laughs> we really need to get here get her in on the game uh, Glenn just in case um, there are other one or two people on the podcast that don't know who you are could you give us a bit of a, a bit of a resume who are you?
2: Sure so uh, my name is Glenn and I run a little DJ business in Southeast Queensland and we do a lot of weddings we do uh, many hundreds of weddings every year mostly we're a DJ company, we also MC, we have lighting design, all sorts of fun stuff like that and special effects. But I guess predominantly it's a, it's about the DJ for us. That's what, sort of the core of what we do. It's about entertainment, it's about creating amazing experiences for our couples to so they can have this really cool thing to look back on for many, many years and remember in a positive light rather than someone standing there playing music, which is, you know at the core of it is what we do but we want to kind of go next level with it uh, our business has been running for 20 years this year so we've we've been around the block a few times we've made a lot of mistakes and uh, we try not to make them more than once and we have a really cool team who work with us and we just like having fun
1: i'm very glad that you uh, talked about your team there because i would like to note to everyone who's listening that you personally do not do hundreds of weddings a year.
2: Oh god no. I <laughs> <laughs> I do around about 40 weddings a year or 40 event events a year. I would say 30 of my 40 events there are we weddings. Go. It's the as a wedding MC is what I do predominantly. Uh, I don't actually DJ anymore. I just MC and most of that is weddings and some of it is corporate work, charity work, stuff like that as well. But yes, we have an amazing team. Uh, There's about 15 or so we've just had a couple of new people start uh, in that team and we have we have five of us who work in the business full-time so it's a very unique setup I guess it's not really a common thing for people to have a full-time job as a DJ let alone have a full-time job working in a DJ business so something that that we're really proud of.
1: And it's it's something it's quite alien to celebrants because by the nature of what we do, we are sole traders and we don't have staff uh, because the celebrancy world doesn't really work like that in Australia. You don't kind of have an agency that takes bookings and then sends a celebrant out, whichever celebrant happens to be free that day. So it's pretty alien for most of our listeners to be thinking about staff and let alone full-time staff or part-time staff or anything like that. It's just not really something that is familiar to us.
2: Yeah, well, that's fortunate for you guys. It's a whole lot less headaches you need to worry about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, staff sounds painful to me. Josh and I did talk about a, a model last year that would involve staffing and eventually we went way too hard, way too hard. So no staff for us, which is totally fine. Um... The reason that we wanted to talk to you on the podcast, Glenn, is that your business does looks after the ceremony music at a lot of weddings, which a lot of DJ businesses do, not all of them. Uh, I know that uh, on the odd occasions that I've had a DJ at my wedding, they haven't gotten it right. So, um, I prefer to do the music myself because I'm a control freak. But it sounds like you guys are totally much more organized in that. So, you've been to lots of ceremonies, you've seen lots of celebrants practice their craft and you've probably got some things to say about that. Some of them might be totally offensive <laughs> and we're here for that. Uh, so, so we really, we're really, we just really keen to hear, you know, what you think about about weddings in Australia in 2019, where you think celebrants are, are falling over, where you think they could do better, what you think they're doing an amazing job of already, Uh Trends, anything, any pretty much anything, and then we'll talk about ladies and gentlemen later on. Oh God. We'll save that one for the
0: end. That'll be fun. Let's
1: um let's start with some general thoughts around ceremonies.
2: Well, generally I think ceremonies are an essential part of a wedding that I think is often overhyped in the sense of people place a lot of importance on the ceremony, they go to they go to a lot of trouble for it, which you know, in itself is a good idea. The ceremony is important in the sense of, this is the the, the only legally binding element of the the whole, what I would call the celebration, uh, which is the whole day, the ceremony and the reception. I, I think my biggest concern around ceremonies is that they're inherently boring. Uh, and I know this because I've never ever heard someone walking into a ceremony going, oh, I hope this is a nice long one. They usually, want it to be short, sharp, get married, get them out. And I'm not sure celebrants are all hearing this. And I'm gonna generalize a lot in this because there are some amazing celebrants that I get to to work with and, and see in action. But there's also some that seem to just love the sound of their own voice and want to drag out a ceremony because it's there uh, five minutes or in some cases, 45 minutes in the limelight. So that that's sort of, I guess, one of the things that that I notice a lot out there. And I'm sure that's none of the celebrants that are listening to this. I'm sure they're all doing fantastic ceremonies. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of, I guess, the, the main thing that we see is that putting some focus uh, more back onto the couple than onto the celebrant themselves. I believe celebrants need to realize that they're there to facilitate a coming together of those two two people or those two families, however that couple envisage that going down, and and sort of talk to them more about what that couple see their ceremony as wanting to be, rather than what the celebrant wants it to be.
0: you kind of saying that me taking all of my inspiration from Adam Sandler and the Wedding Singer, where I at the start of every ceremony scream, well, "I have a microphone and you don't." So are
1: you, willing?
0: <laughs> every damn word I have to say well, I haven't
2: I haven't seen you do that, so that must be a, a new thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll, it's a new thing, yeah. <laughs> I just found people weren't respecting me. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of usher this well, yeah, in <laughs> uh. So I'm yeah,
1: is it is it that so when you talk about ceremonies being boring, is it because the celebrant is talking too much? about themselves, they're focusing less on the couple and more on, uh, you know, esoteric words about marriage that don't really mean anything. Like what is it to you that makes a ceremony not particularly interesting? One
2: important thing to note is that because of my job, I see a lot more ceremonies than the everyday kind of people who just going to the wedding maybe once a year or once every few years. And that sort of thing. Uh, I did a. I went. I, I got to attend a ceremony as a well, mostly as a guest recently, and it was interesting. The feedback I heard from some of the other guests—they said it was a lovely ceremony—and I thought we were at a funeral because it sounded so uh, monotone and boring. And I thought there was no. It 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 just sounded like generic. Ceremony 101 and the celebrant is a known. well I know her in the sense of I've seen her around the industry, you know, we meet at at venue things I've seen her at awards. I've seen her win awards and so on and I didn't think she did a bad job I just thought it was a generic job like you could literally take out the bride and groom's name put a different bride and groom's name in there and That would be the same wedding that that person would do the next day and it wasn't offensive, it just wasn't great. And I, I think couples deserve a great wedding ceremony. I think they deserve something that suits them rather than something that suits everybody and we're just changing the
1: names. So I'm, I'm t- I totally hear you. My challenge back to that is that that ceremony might have been exactly what the couple wanted.
2: Well, that's quite potentially true, except I, I knew the couple. And uh, I thought I, I thought there were elements of it that suited them well, and there was uh-huh. other elements. Like, for example, I could pretty much recite the whole, you know, a ring is a circle that has no beginning and no ending, and it goes on this finger because it's the <laughs> vein that runs to the heart or whatever rubbish. It's sort of like at a wedding reception, oh, there's the plane again, uh, where, at a wedding reception where you know that that groomsman has just gone to Google to get their speech. It's, it's like celebrants go to celebrant school to learn the, mm-hmm. the, the story of the wedding ring and why it's a circle with no beginning and no end. But I can tell you, and, and the, the reason I hate that story the most is because that couple did have a beginning. They didn't just magically appear on the thir- earth as a couple. They had a beginning, they met. There, there's a story behind that and and that story is important to that couple and you know I guess the concept of having no end is a good thing but the, I think we need to examine a lot of more of the why behind things sometimes we do things without really putting any thought into why we're doing it we just assume it's that way because that's how it's always been done and when it's being done the way it's always been done is when things become generic And when they're generic, they're not memorable at all. And no couple come to me and say, oh, we want a really generic wedding.
1: Yes, but a lot of couples are coming to us and saying that.
2: They come to you saying they want a generic, unmemorable wedding.
1: Yeah, they want they want a traditional they want a traditional conservative wedding.
2: Okay. So what does that mean? That
1: means they want to be given away. They want dad to walk them down the aisle. They want someone to say who brings this woman to marry this man, which I fucking hate. They uh they want this ring has no beginning and no end and why it goes on that finger. Uh they want you may now kiss the bride, even though I always want to know why the bride doesn't get to kiss the groom. Uh, they want or they want to say I do, even though it's completely redundant. They want those traditional things, and you can you can fight with them all you want, but they just kind of go, no, nah, we want this really traditional. So I suppose I suppose the challenge for us is finding different ways to deliver tradition.
0: I actually disagree with you, Sarah, on this one, but I don't think Glenn said what I was thinking. That most people don't know what they want. Well, like if
1: that's true too. We
0: and it's not—it's not that we don't know what we want. Like we're all stupid idiots, because all of our couples aren't stupid idiots. But we just don't really know how to articulate, like what we want. Um, and and I think I think particularly Glenn um, you out of um, I, I I don't know whether you're the best of your team. I'm going to assume you are because one of the initials on your <laughs> business name is your first name initial. So I'm, I'm assuming there's some connection there. Um, but out of particularly your cohort of MCs and DJs in America, uh, sorry, in Australia, that, uh, that you uh, are actually really good at trying to figure out what people want. Like, you've got systems and processes and intelligence, like emotional uh, intelligence, but also <laughs> regular intelligence? I don't know. Mental intelligence <laughs> to, to, to actually, like, 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 I feel like you're really good at actually figuring out what people want. Uh, well I'd, I'd like to think so I that? guess
2: but I, I I think you've got to ask the why and not just once um, so one of the things that, that Sarah said which I and, and and you've sort of reiterated this as well Josh in, in these last few minutes is couples don't know what they want or they say they want traditional but they might not actually know what that what that is do they know what the actual traditions are where those traditions come from are they still relevant is is the reason that tradition exists something that that couple want to actually observe? Or is it just because that's what their mum and dad told them that they did at their wedding 30 years ago? So that's where the tradition comes from. Maybe it's, it's a family tradition that's different to the real tradition and that's the, I'm totally cool with that because it's different and unique. But oftentimes I think celebrants are in such a powerful position to guide a couple when they say, because they don't know what they want. I 100% agree with that. And that's because they don't necessarily know what's possible out there. And when they say we want tradition, you know, my first question would be, oh, why is that? And, and then just let them talk. And then when they say, oh, because, you know, we just don't really know what we want. Okay, why is that? Oh, we've never been to many weddings. Oh, okay. So what have you seen at the weddings that you do like? What have you seen that you didn't like? and by asking questions we start to really get an understanding of what that couple truly want or in some cases as i'm sure it is with with a lot of couples is they haven't really put much thought into it and by giving them that guidance as as a celebrant especially because in that sort of traditional pecking order of, of wedding stuff you guys are way up there and it's something that i'm very envious of because djs were normally like an afterthought if they can't put a spotify playlist together. And so I think it's a really powerful thing for you guys to give them amazing guidance on their wedding, not just the ceremony but the entire event to steer them in, in a great direction for something that's unique and personalized to them. And by personalized I don't mean celebrants, you know, sharing how the couple met and all that stuff. I you know, if the, if that's something the couple want, then fair enough. But I've never seen a celebrant do that really well. I, I think just making it about the couple, and I see a, some celebrants do this, and and I, I find it really amazing when it happens.
1: <laughs> For sure, Abs Yes. Okay, that makes more sense. More questions. Why you are? And just just tradition. what tradition
2: mean? What tradition means to them?
1: Good. Yeah, I'm hearing that. What it tri- means to them? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, can you talk us through if there are any specific sections of the ceremony that you see time and time again that drive you? One hundred percent.
2: So, <laughs> there's a few. I've got a. I, I did a little pre-list here.
1: Yay! We love lists.
2: <laughs> and I got to the bottom of the page, so I stopped. <laughs> it's it's actually that only quite the small. Page. But the, uh, I, I think the pet hates, and, and one of them I, I mentioned. One of them, actually, I. I I've presented to Celebrants twice this year and I mentioned this at both of them and and they, they all got very upset with me. So I'm going to leave this one <laughs> a little bit. But the, the, the one that every DJ hates, and when I say DJ, I mean someone who's paid to be there to look after the music. Um, and I get that just like I see various degrees of quality in Celebrants, that Celebrants no, no, no. must see a huge variety in quality of DJs out there. So the one that I hate is when celebrants go, they're about to do something, whether it's the farewell or the signing
0: or the walking down the aisle, and they go, "Oh, are you ready, Mr. Music?" So are you saying you would like a, a less gender-specific title, like a uh, person music? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I I think we can respect each other enough to assume that we got this. You know, we like I when they say that I want to grab my microphone that I've got and say, are you ready to do the such and such? Because all it does is assume
0: incompetence.
1: But unfortunately, that's the experience that we're having. Yeah, it is
0: actually the norm. I'll agree with Sarah on that one. It's, it's the norm to it's, have the guy It's music. a
1: real problem. I the, fir- the very first time I worked with a DJ, and I didn't want to do it, but she insisted. And when we... So we came back from the signing and you know, very short between the signing and the recessional. And I said the last words, which were her cue to press play, and I looked up and she was fiddling with her phone. She, like, you know, so so she needed a are you ready, Mr. Music, yeah. because she wasn't fucking ready. Um, and so I totally hear you, that you're frustrated by that but um, that's because you're good at what you do. And unfortunately- So what yeah, you've just, just good said good. sort
2: of but excites also, I, me. I don't
0: think you have to say anything. Yeah.
2: What you just said excites me and scares me. It excites me because now I hear we're allowed to swear on this because you just did. And- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you can and, swear, go no, for I, it. <laughs> I, I, it scares me because that, that is what the standard is. And that, that's horrible. That's, it's, to me, it's unacceptable. I think a lot of it is, like because I like to communicate with my other suppliers, so we're usually there nice and early, we're chatting with them, and we want to know, because we want to know how to make those transitions smoother. So when the celebrant says, if, if the, I guess, cue is, I now, you know, present Mr. and Mrs. Smith or however you're presenting them, um, then the DJ should be hitting that song, knowing when that song starts, what the, start, what the intro is to that song, or whether it's coming in at a certain point in the song. They should know exactly how long that takes so that when the celebrant finishes the speaking bit, the music should already be there. Like in radio where there's, when you finish speaking, the song starts. They call it posting in radio, as I'm sure you guys know. It's, it's about making it professional, making it seamless so that, it's like at the Academy Awards, they don't present the award, and then there's like this weird three seconds of silence while the audio guy gets off his mobile phone and and presses play. It it's just professional and seamless because you don't get a do-over. It's a wedding is like the Academy Awards. You don't get a do-over. It's got to be right. Otherwise, you get that look from the bride, or sometimes from the celebrant if you if you don't get the whole um, the cues right. But that's. Again, it's focus and and for us it's about communication. We're communicating well in advance with our um, celebrants I'm usually there nice and early looking at how we can make their life easier. Do they want to run audio through us? Do they not want to run audio through us? Some celebrants have really great sound systems Uh, There's not many of them which is probably the other thing that annoys us about celebrants is when they insist on using their 30 year old MyPro or or random thing <laughs> that doesn't have a brand on it or doesn't sound good and it's positioned in the wrong place and all these things when we're presenting them with a, an excellent alternative that is going to work. But what I hear, and, and this is I'm sure what you're going to tell me, Sarah, and probably Josh. I've worked with Josh, so I, I, I don't think he has too many issues with this. Is they don't want the DJs – they're sick of the DJ's sound system crapping out on them.
1: Mm. Or the DJ just not paying attention. Uh, you Like I've worked with one amazing DJ who was spot on and got it perfectly right, but the other times that I've worked with the it's just been a mess, which is why I insist on doing it myself and using my, yeah, my MyPro that's probably crappy and doesn't sound as pretty – but at least I know that the cues will be right and the music will happen at the right time and it will fade out instead of just pressing stop. And oh, yeah. like, <laughs> and,
2: yeah. and that's, that's the thing, I, I, I totally respect. If a celebrant says, look, I want to use my own thing. Absolutely, I'll offer ours. But if they insist on using their thing, totally cool. And that's because then it's on them and, and they know their system like you obviously do. They know what they're doing. And I assume, the thing is, I assume competence rather than incompetence. And that way, especially at a ceremony, when it's, it's the DJ is so background, it's not funny. We're essentially a jukebox with hair at a ceremony, <laughs> whereas the celebrant is such a focal point, especially early on. And I respect that they have to get the attention of that group. They've got to get that group to follow them and respect them for the next sort of 30, 40 minutes or however long they're going to be kind of in charge there. And for us, it's about supporting them. Um but it sounds like that might be the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, unfortunately.
1: it unfortunately is. So okay, so here's a this is obviously I work with live musicians as well and I adore working with live musicians generally. But again, I've had some terrible experiences with live musicians who should know better, who, you know, instead of looping the song when we're not ready yet, just stop playing. Um so, I've kind of developed this thing where at the beginning of this, like before the beginning of the ceremony, I go and talk to the musos and I kind of go, I know I don't need to tell you this because you're a professional, but please don't stop playing until I give you a nod. Uh, and I shouldn't have to tell them that, but I kind of think maybe that's less offensive to everyone to do that out of earshot than to go... Are you ready, Mr. Music, in front of everyone, and to also like have them just stop playing mid-signing, and now we're going to do the rest of the signing in silence?
2: Yeah, no, <laughs> I, and I can totally, <laughs> totally understand where you're coming from with that.
1: It's super hard. Okay, so all right, so um, not are you ready, Mr. Music? Is a problem not using the DJ's equipment when the DJ is competent and. Uh, ready to help out is a problem what else is a problem
2: so I should I should clarify being open to using the DJ's yes, sound system that. Yeah. Um, because I can I can say that and, and again I speak for for me and my company not not every DJ out there obviously that I'm hearing so many horror stories on this this <laughs> podcast <laughs> that that I'm now worried that everything, everyone will think every DJ does this, but I would say most of the time that DJ has invested more into the quality of their microphone and sound system than the, than the Celebrant has. And again, ge- that's a generic comment, as I know some Celebrants with amazing equipment and I know, <laughs> and I know some DJs with some shady gear, yes. but <laughs> I, I think be open to it. Say hey, let's, let's give it a test, let's see how it sounds. And there's no reason why you can't have your own sound system there set up, ready to go. So if, if the DJ's microphone starts to crap out, you can just quickly switch microphones discreetly and it's, it, then you've got, you've got your butt covered and, and, and you're, you're going to feel more confident. Sure. But I know that as, a, as an MC at receptions, I almost will never use the venue's in-house microphone or sound system because I know and trust my own exactly. and I know what mine is designed to do and how to get the best out of it. So I can respect celebrants wanting to use their own gear.
1: Yeah.
0: So Solid question on that, Glenn. Yep. Because I've never used your gear at a ceremony. In fact, it's probably more typical that your guys would use my gear, which is cool. Because <laughs> that's a you know, like well, but well, because I'm a nerd and, and I'm all set up and yeah, yeah. But uh, but aside aside from that, um, if you were doing the sound for me at a ceremony, would you have speakers up the ceremony end or? because the general case with having a DJ doing audio at a ceremony is he would set up at the back of a ceremony, and I've got a problem with that as a public speaker because I want the audio of my voice to be coming from the same vector a- as I physically am standing. Like, I don't want the speaker facing back to me because that's confusing for people's ears if, I'm, if they can see my mouth moving but the audio is coming from, from behind.
2: Yeah, completely agree with you. I think it's a case of it depends. And is they, it depends on the venue, it depends on how they've got it laid out, is there space, um, is the speaker at the front gonna be in the background of every photo? Because for me, you've got to think outside of, of just what the DJ's providing, we've got to think what's gonna look best for video, what's gonna look best for photo, because the, the issue that you're talking about of the, your mouth moving, but the sound coming from somewhere else, to me, I find that, because we have the exact same thing at a, at a wedding reception, and I, I think it's an issue that people just want to identify, first of all, who it is that's speaking to them. And yeah, the, yeah. the beauty of a, of a ceremony is it's it's laid out in a way where everyone's already facing you, which is kind of handy. And I think it's something that um, in our brains, we once we spot that person and we realize that's the person holding the microphone talking to us, that we pretty quickly figure that out. But yeah, I, I agree that it is, it is a distracting thing and it's also, it also can be distracting from a speaker's point of view, as in you being the speaker, having, if there's much of a delay in that sound, getting back to your own ears, because when we use this, like different speakers have different things, but a lot of people like to hear their own voice coming back through them. And it's not that love the sound of their own voice, it's just a reassurance that what they're saying, that what's coming out of their mouth is what they're meaning to come out of their mouth if that makes sense. So generally I want to put a speaker to a side and that's because from a people, because my job is to get all those guests to hear what's happening and so the people up the front they're gonna hear you guys because they're close and you're pointing in their direction what they're not gonna hear as clearly is the bride and groom which is one of the other points that I had here is um, celebrants not realizing that the guests don't necessarily want to hear anything the celebrant has to say what they want to hear is what the bride and groom or the bride and bride or the groom and groom have to say agreed so sorry that was a long way around answering your question josh but hopefully i got there
0: yeah yeah and i interrupted while you were going through your list as well so i'll let you go back to your list
2: no that that (laughs) that, that's most of that's most of my list i've only got my most controversial one (laughs) left so bring it on (laughs) maybe uh so uh, this is the
0: roadcaster is recording
2: okay (laughs) So this is one that that I brought up at the at the conference I spoke at recently that you guys were at and and I I know there was a few kind of uh, eyebrows raised and sort of heads cocked to the side and I'm surprised I kind of made it out of there alive <laughs> um which I'm I'm grateful that I did and it was a it was actually a very kind group which it, which was nice and and that is that I don't think many celebrants put much thought into the flow of a, of a wedding ceremony. I feel that they kind of, it follows the same pattern each and every time, which I, I get why it does because it, it generally is accepted that that's the way it goes. And I guess the, the thing I'm kind of skirting around here is, <laughs> is the signing of the registry. I don't think it sh- needs to happen in the, in the middle or towards the end or to me to stop something that's so beautiful and so loving or funny depending on the couple what they want in their ceremony but to stop the entire flow and pretty much say to 80 people 100 people however many people you guys just wait there a minute we're going to go sign some paperwork we'll be back with you soon is almost like an ad break in the middle of a a ceremony which seems kind of weird and I think the reason that I think the reason that that celebrants don't identify this, is because to them it's not a break, because you've been talking, 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 and now you're doing this thing, and now you're back and you announce them, and it, it's continuous to you guys. But to the guests, it, to me it's the equivalent of the bride and groom going off for photo, photographs in between ceremony and reception. It makes no sense in the concept of, of the event. It makes sense from getting nice photos while the lighting is you know magic hour, but that's, that's about it. It, it. it really delays what people want to be doing, uh, in, in my opinion. <laughs> and I should say that's just my opinion and it's not the opinion of every DJ.
1: <laughs> Where would you suge- when would you suggest people do the signing instead?
2: Yeah, so I, I think it could be done after the congratulations are done. It means the celebrant's got to wait around an extra 10, 15 minutes. Uh, to me, it's a paperwork thing. It's not a ceremonial thing. That's to me, and I, and I, I, was, I was chatting about this to, to someone else, a non-celebrant actually, and they were saying how important that they feel the, the signing of the, the the stuff is and that it's, it is a ceremony unto itself and it's really important to some couples. And I thought, well, that's that's cool. And if they want to do that and, and have that as a big thing, then they can certainly have that as a big thing. Uh, but we've done a lot of weddings where we've maybe suggested this to a couple or you know suggested something unique to a couple and they've sort of gone with it where they've signed the registry will sign the paperwork whatever the marriage certificate I don't even know what gets signed I'm obviously not a celebrant and um, they just sort of pop over and do it after they've been announced so they the celebrant will you know do all their thing marry them and and if they want to say I do they say I do and then they present them as you know they've done their kiss or whatever they're doing and you know i now present mr and mrs smith boom everyone cheers and claps and they walk out back up the aisle and everyone's happy and they throw rice at them or whatever they're allowed to do these days and they're all congratulating them and then the celebrant once they've sort of calmed down a little bit celebrant pulls them aside and say hey we've got to do that paperwork let's go sign this and whether that's still a photographic moment if that's an important thing to the to the couple uh, you know, I've never been into anyone's house and seen the signing of the marriage certificate photo on their wall, but you know, that's just me. And then, then they've, done the, they've done the signing, so the officialness of that all is, is still done, but we haven't interrupted everyone because I see what happens at a ceremony when they go to sign the, the marriage certificate stuff, is everyone does exactly what happens when an ad break comes on at home, if they're watching old school tv where there's ads is they grab their phone and they check their facebook they up you know take a selfie and put it on instagram or they drift off to go and have a smoke if they're that way inclined Uh, whether or not they come back in time who knows Um, they they get distracted by a million other things they start talking to people and then the celebrant has forgotten to turn their microphone off so everyone can hear what they're saying (laughs) i don't know i just rarely see it come out in a very positive way it's sort of like like I said it's stop right here we're going to go do this so we've taken a hundred percent inclusion because up until that point everyone's included in that and then we're going we just want these you know six or eight or ten people over here to do this one little thing you guys can sit and watch or you can you know scroll your insta so
1: so here's my uh uh this is my non-celebrant challenge Last week I taught the Certificate 4 in Celebrancy and one of my students was a very well-renowned wedding photographer in Melbourne. And I did not bring this up. He said, I fucking hate it when celebrants do the signing after the ceremony because that's my time.
2: Yeah, that is uh, very...
1: (laughs) So he said, you know, we've often got like an hour to take portraits of the bridal party and yada yada like the guests are off having canapes and drinks we've only got an hour and now the celebrant is taking up my time when they could have done the signing during their time when i was very happy for them to do it and now they're taking up my time and that's not fair so i think we have to consider other suppliers as well i know that in queensland things are a bit different because you guys often have an earlier ceremony yeah like one two three o'clock our ceremonies in Melbourne are often at five o'clock.
2: So, so my kind of feedback to that photographer would be it takes five minutes to sign the, cer- sign the certificate in the ceremony. If we don't do that in the ceremony we're five minutes ahead. <laughs> so the actual time the photographer got is exactly the same and it's probably the same photographer that'll go and wait till dancing started on a dance floor and then go and take the bride and groom out of the room for the fancy for photo. night photos and, and kill, kill a dance floor or kill a reception without any thought as to how important it is for that bride and groom to be visible and in the space. Um, but you know, when you think only of yourself, that's what happens rather than thinking of the bigger picture. And like, what I'm suggesting is not for every celebrant, it's not for every couple, it's just my thoughts on, like if I was ever to become a celebrant, that, that's what I would be suggesting to my couples.
1: Um. The other problem that we have and this is a legal issue is that the Marriage Act actually says, I'm just finding the quote right now, here it is, the Marriage Act says blah blah prepare immediately after the solemnization of the marriage, immediately. So that word immediately um, is freaking a lot of celebrants out when they think about Leaving time for congratulations and then doing it afterwards because they're saying, and my argument is like nobody's going to report you if you do it 15 minutes after the ceremony. Um, but that is something that's freaking a lot of people out. Um, yeah, I for also sure. kind of think, like, I get what you mean about we, we're stopping and we're taking people away, and like it's a poor, it's an ad break, people get distracted. I kind of think it's part of our job to be able to get people back. Like that's, it's (laughs) it's part of our job to come back and, and be able to hype that crowd up again, because a lot of celebrants I know who do this, they're like, Oh, we've brought the crowd all the way up. Now we go to the signing and the energy levels drop and I, it's too hard to get them back up again for the recessional, for them to clap and cheer when, everyone, when they're walking back down the aisle. So that's why I do it because the emotion like up and down is too much. It, that's our job, to get them back yep. and get them hyped up again uh, after we've, we've paused it. Uh, so that's my, that's my two cents yeah. about the situation. And also, you know what else? I don't want to hang around any longer than I have to. <laughs> I want to go home and eat pizza on the couch.
0: <laughs> so, guys, look, it's- let's refocus our, our efforts instead of bashing each other up. How about those fucking photographers? Let's go in on those bars. <laughs> <laughs> love, love you, Briggsie. I and that's I, 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 the yeah, thing. Like,
2: it's we're, not we're, work we're, we're talking... We're talking so generally because we've all worked with amazing celebrants and amazing photographers and, and amazing suppliers who just make your life so much better and easier and make that end result better for the couple and we're kind of, I guess, I guess picking it at, absolutely, at mo- mostly minor issues with those, you know, oddball wedding suppliers who really don't deserve to be doing weddings because they they don't care enough about anything other than making those dollars which is if you're in the wedding industry to make a fortune then, then you're barking up the wrong the tree industry. I think I've, yeah. I haven't met many millionaires in the wedding business yet so
1: no. maybe some of those venue owners yeah. but not many <laughs> uh yeah well, that's the
2: thing even venues is such a competitive I field know, these days the margins uh, are tiny. very few are, very few are going you know up they're all going mm-hmm. not so up
1: I'm curious, Glenn, if you if you your business does many religious uh, ceremony weddings, and do you see a if you do any church weddings, do you see a big difference, or do you see no difference? Is it all boring?
2: <laughs> so, so we do some religious uh style ceremonies and 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 by religious i take that as anything that's presided over by someone other than a
1: civil celebrant you know,
2: typical civil celebrant yep. right so they in some cases they've brought the priest out to the venue to do the ceremony mm-hmm. or sometimes we are in a church and <clears throat> generally i find that they're the more boring ceremonies, mm. and that's because it's almost like the this the priest or the, whoever's presiding over that is just sort of going through the motions. They often don't know the couple very well; they haven't spent much time with them. It's usually very generic in a different way. It's a religious generic rather than a "this ring is a circle" yeah. and this fame because goes it has to, to be generic. religious
1: generic. They have to follow their church's liturgy, so there's not yeah. yeah that's that's. But I'm also curious about. Uh, kind of presentation styles and if it's all like that whole thing you were saying about they don't know the couple very well they probably haven't spent much time with them does that does that show
2: Absolutely, it does. Uh, especially when they get the names wrong, yeah. Um, we have one job. And or or they, yeah. I haven't had them say the wrong person's name, but it's usually mispronouncing a name. Which, as an MC for later in the night, it's fantastic when the celebrant or priest mispronounces the bridal groom's name because it, it's going to make me look good <laughs> later when I get it
1: right. Yes, fair.
2: Um, <laughs> but but yeah, generally they're a longer ceremony and if that if it's something if the religious element is important to the couple then i'm all for it but generally like i say i've never had a guest go oh wow i hope this is a nice long ceremony because what they want to do they're all dressed up they want to they want to do the celebration and to me that's what the reception is it's the celebration of the thing that happened earlier Uh, we've done a a couple not a lot just one or two where the couple have actually been married at the registry office and then had a, a high-budget reception. Mm-hmm. So a registry office with, like, next to no one there to 150 guests at a high-end venue for a reception because they they didn't care about the ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> I think anyone having a registry office wedding probably doesn't care too much about it. Yeah. But um, you know what? They're still married. Yeah. And, and the couple who, you know, went all out with you know, tens of thousands of dollars of flowers at their ceremony and a small reception because they spend all their money on ceremony flowers, they're still married too. And I don't want to sort of say there's any wrong way to do things, it's just different strokes for different folks.
0: Uh, I I don't know how you would categorize our um, kind of the formation of our friendship, but but the reason I um, I like you and respect you is is because not only are you, you are not a terrible person, you're in the category of you know, not terrible people, <laughs> but you also um, you manage to do work that matters, and equally marry that with work that I've, I've got a pretty good vibe that you enjoy what you do that you that you like what you do, and then you've married those two things with. A sustainable business, which is um it, like that the marriage of those three things I think is is just really um like it's kind of it's well it's not kind of beautiful it is beautiful because so many people don't ever reach that, uh yeah they'll they'll do work they love but no one will buy it or they'll do work that other people love but they'll hate it or you know you know trying to marry those three those three things up is hard, um and so mirroring that conversation back to celebrancy and you kind of looking in from the outside seeing lots of celebrants. Do you, because okay, like, I, I don't see other celebrants, and, and I'm just interested on, on that element. Do you see other celebrants, you're like, these guys, they obviously love what they do, and they're good at it, and they're not broke. Or are you looking at people and going, man, they're, they're good at it, they could be charging more? Or, you know, like, what's, your, what's your view from that side of the fence, from that business sustainability point of view on celebrants?
2: Well, I think it's very clear when you meet a celebrant who loves what they do. And it's very clear when you see a celebrant who has a sustainable business the, because it's very clear when you don't see that, mm-hmm. right? So, so one of my favorite celebrants to, to, to watch and, and to <clears throat> work alongside is uh, Pastor Jake. And his, it's, it's very clear when he does what he does that he has uh, a love for what he's doing because he has a great sort of positive energy about him. And he also has this wonderful uh, softness in his voice which comes across as care, care for the couple, care for the ceremony, care for the families, just care for everything going right there. And he comes at things with such a positive um, demeanor. He's never there going, oh my God, this couple, ugh. Does always... that annoy you
0: though? Because he's, I reckon he's too nice. I reckon he's too nice, and he cares too much. And that might be that. Some people might view that as a good thing, but I'm like Jake, mate. You're making the rest of us just look a little bit incompetent.
2: And that's the thing. And and when you combine all that, and and I don't know his, you know, success. However you want to determine that, but I would assume he's very successful as a celebrant. I I hope he's he's achieving his goals and and whatnot. And I think. A bunch of that comes down to, first of all, being open to learn. A lot of people, and I mentioned this in one of my presentations at the conference, is uh, you can't learn that which you think you already know. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing is surrounding yourself with great people. That's why I think most of my success, like 99.9% of it in business, is because I have the right people around me. I married the right person. I have been lucky enough to employ a lot of the wrong people which taught me how to employ the right people and then keep them on my bus. Um, and the other element is, is, and this <laughs> this is a massive side topic, is charging something that is gonna sustain your business because it is of no service to do something so cheap that you can't afford to stay in business and you disappoint couples. Yep. This happens all the time in the DJ industry where, oh, I can't do your ceremony now, we've gone out of business, or. I got a higher-paying job, yep. or a million excuses. And I, I think I've maybe seen it once in this in the celebrant side of things. But I think we need to, we deserve to be able to charge a respectable amount, respectable amount for what we do, because what we do, whether that is as a an MC, as a DJ, in your case, as a or the listener's case, as a celebrant, is something that not everyone can do. And I know it feels like everyone out there is a celebrant. But the reality is getting up there and speaking in front of 80 or 100 people, most people would rather be attacked by spiders than get up there and speak to totally. everyone. So, so just that ability is worth something. Having a great PA system is worth something. Taking the time to, to spend with their couple to get to know them so you can deliver a personalized uh, and customized ceremony is worth something. And being able to just survive in life financially is important i like it but i could talk for hours on that
1: (laughs) oh so could we for all all day which is yeah price uh, yeah exhausting
2: and and i think a lot of the 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 negativity around price is because most people in the wedding industry have zero business training we we're all amazing at what we do so celebrants can be amazing at celebrating and photographers can be amazing at photographering and that's, that's not the right word but you get what I mean but but the reality is all we know how to get business is to discount to get cheaper yeah. because we haven't put any effort into learning how to be good salespeople and in this business especially celebrants right I'm very lucky I've got an amazing team who do a lot of the the stuff that I'm no good at they do that so that I don't have to and I can focus on what I do well as a celebrant, you usually don't have much of a team around you. You might have a very supportive partner or some sort of industry folk you can network with. But when it comes down to it, you've got to do the marketing. You've got to do the sales. You've got to chase up overdue accounts. You've got to clean the PA system. You've got to make sure your shirt's ironed for the... Ser- clean the PA everything.
1: system? What are you talking
2: about? <laughs> so if that was any celebrant's first time of hearing something about needing to clean a PA system... Just think about where you do ceremonies.
1: My, my PA system gets so dirty, it's really bad. Yeah, but I've yeah. seen you some. You just,
0: just hose hose it out. Hose
1: dust it out. It. Just dust <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> dust it. Don't, dust it. You, you, don't, don't hose it out. You joke, but
0: the windsock. <laughs> please don't the hose wind it out. windsock. Like, if, if you're not using a windsock, please use a windsock. But if you are, um, mate, take that baby off some point and just give it a bit of a lick. Just Oh, uh, gross. See what's in there. <laughs> gross. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yes, agreed. Yes,
0: Glenn. I um I wanted to uh, first of all uh, use this for my own benefit, but also secondly, <laughs> just that I kind of contextualise, um, you know, your view of celebrancy to a celebrant. And I didn't I didn't give you a chance to prepare for this. In fact, the only preparation we gave you was that if you could say something to all celebrants, what would you say? And we'll get you to do that soon. Uh, but you thinking back to the last time? Uh, was the last time you saw me do a ceremony? Was that um Chris and um in Sydney? Uh, oh my God, what's Chris's wife's name? Um, Alexandra. Alex. But, was that was, it, was, it, was, it, was it the last one you saw me do? Maybe. maybe I think it since. it
2: might be, or maybe we did one at ceremony since then.
0: Yeah, but so it doesn't have to be that exact ceremony. But but like you looking on me. Uh, because I don't see myself do ceremonies. Um, since then I've started recording my ceremonies, and I I try to look what what I do and and uh, and wonder how I could be better. And there's there's been various ticks and things that I've tried to pick up on, and, and they're just hard. But in a way that would benefit other people listening to this podcast, what's some feedback that you would tell me that um, you know, you're good at this or bad at that or you know whatever? Well, what would be what would be some feedback that um that that would be uh, delivered my way, as I ask nervously.
1: <laughs> oh God! <laughs> that was um, mean. It's really mean, <laughs> poor Glenn. <laughs> hey, you're for Glenn. For Glenn. For Glenn. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> so this is this is an interesting thing that some celebrants have asked me in the past, and other MCs have as well. And it it, it comes down to: Do you want me to tell you what you want to hear, or do you want me to be honest? And Both. a lot of the time <laughs> a lot of the time they they want to hear all the good things that they do. Yeah, yeah. And they, they want that reinforcement from someone else that they're 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 good. And that that's perfectly fine. I think I'm the wrong person to judge the quality of a celebrant's ceremony. And that's because I'm not a celebrant. I've not had that training. I I can see kind of from a I look at things from a Entertainment perspective because that's sort of our background. Um, one of the things that I love about uh, seeing you at a ceremony, Josh, is uh, is presence. And this is not something that every celebrant has or every MC has. Is that um, you're like me, you're a big guy, you stand out when you when you stand up there, you take up a lot of space. Like me, you 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 can speak confidently on that microphone and get the attention of of the, the congregation, the, the guests. And I think that that is an advantage over say, and, and I, this is not a, a sex thing, but over a small female uh, that doesn't have as, as big a voice, we have a natural advantage in that sense. So other people have to do different things to kind of manufacture that or to, to offset that, whether that is wearing high heels or by, um, having more volume on their speaker or, or different things. There's, there's ways around it, but but when you've naturally got that presence, I think it goes a long way. I think you speak respect to, uh, respectfully to the guests. You don't assume they're idiots. Um, one of the the things that I have seen you do that um, is a little bit a little bit cringeworthy, but it's only because. I'm going to tell you what I would do in its place, if that helps. But um, you're really, you're really good at trying to get the guests into the moment. Rather than having them sit there and, and listen, you want them to cheer. You want them to, if they love something, to clap or shout or whatever. I love that concept. But guests aren't ready for that. So oftentimes, uh, when that happens, it can be easier as a as a speaker to go, "Oh, this is where you guys were meant to meant to cheer." where the better way in my opinion to do it would be to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I was meant to say that so that you would cheer in this moment. That's totally my mistake, so I'm so sorry. And then they laugh at that because they realize that it was their fault, but you're saying it without insulting them. Um, so that, that's, that's probably one thing I see a lot of speakers do that, and, and I've done it in the past as well. It was one of the feedbacks I got from my, um, from my presentation at the conference recently so, um, but yeah, I, I think you do a really great job of, of marrying people They they end up married. So I guess that's the goal.
0: 10 out of 10 on the marrying.
1: Woo
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's like as long as they're not divorced by the end of the reception, I, I feel my work is done too. So, um, but, I, but I think um, there's a lot of celebrants out there who say a lot of words that don't get heard. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
2: And I think when you're paid to speak, you should be trying to get your message across with as fewer words as possible because people aren't there to see us as speakers, uh, as in an MC or a celebrant, they're not there to see us. They look to us for guidance. And our job should be to guide them through that ceremony or through that reception and to make the other people in the case of celebrants, in the bride and groom, or the couple, we want to make them the stars of that show. <clears throat> and anything we can do to put the focus on them. And again, this is generic because there's a lot of couples who don't want to be the star of the mm. show. They want, they want someone else to be that extrovert so that they can be their beautiful introverted selves. And, and that's part of getting to know your couple. And to me, tailoring a ceremony is about doing it in a way that makes that couple shine. I like
1: Hopefully it. Hopefully that
2: helped you out, Josh, without, and you'll still speak yeah. to me.
1: <laughs>
0: well, it, no, absolutely, and, and, and I, I feel quite confident in what I do. Um, like, I think I've kind of got to do the job It'd be it'd be fascinating if I was super nervous before every ceremony. <laughs> like it'd be it'd be a real would be a real good thing for a psychologist to get in on. But I I wanted to kind of <laughs> find um I wanted to put myself on the slaughter box uh, slaughter box the slaughter board slaughter I don't think where, that's where a do thing we get slaughtered I
1: don't think that's a thing put put yourself on the slaughter block <laughs> on the block <laughs> put yourself on the block anyway <laughs> I don't think that's a thing something like that
0: yeah uh but I wanted to put myself forward just to kind of um pivot on a conversation because uh, I'm 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 always interested in what people. People pick up in ceremonies, and uh, and one thing that, uh, that kind of stood out to me was um, that presence. And I know that uh, you and I, um, and and people with that presence, like we're probably not as common in celibancy as you might expect. There's 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 a number of celebrants I can think of that will probably carry a similar degree of presence. Uh, and as I think about them, probably more than half of them are male. That's mm. I think that's just a societal thing, like a you, they, they're they just those people. Uh, and so if you're at the other end of this other scale, because uh, you mentioned high heels and whatnot, uh, could we kind of pivot on, on that and how you could increase your presence? Because that obviously adds to the complete vibe of the ceremony. Like, I'm the, I'm the person with the mic. Sure. Listen to me, clap when I say something funny, that kind of thing. Like, how would you increase that vibe?
1: I'm going to jump in here before Glenn does. I think that there are two kinds of presence and you can have the, the ex, extroverted type of presence that people immediately pay attention when you stand up the front because you take up space and you're loud or whatever it is. But I think that there's also something in a quiet confidence that if you are confident uh, enough in, what you're, in yourself and in what you're doing, even if you're quiet and small, that that presence is also can also be really respected i
2: completely agree with that i think and 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 to refer back to to pastor jake who we spoke Mm -hmm. about earlier is uh he's not a tall guy he's a he's a a short guy he's but but i think where where he excels is he presents impeccably okay so i don't think i've ever seen him in anything other than a three-piece suit and tie He, he's always immaculately dressed, his hair is on point, uh, he's kind, he talks to IPs, so he's gonna c- connect with uh, the parents and stuff uh, in advance of the ceremony starting so that he's got their attention the entire time. And he also has a confidence, and there's a big difference between confidence and cockiness. Yes. So I think that needs to be identified. And how you know that the cockiness has gone how the confidence has gone into cockiness is when people start ignoring you
1: absolutely if they're
2: not paying attention to you it's because you don't have their respect and so uh, other ways you can do it so um, obviously we don't want to have you know twenty-two thousand pastor jakes out there marrying people we everyone has their own unique personality and style so things i see uh, to create presence where you might have a physical um, like if, if you're short versus tall, for example, is if you have a unique style, be yourself out there. So um, if you like dressing up as a bikey, then dress up as a bikey and do s- ceremonies. That's, that can be your niche. You're gonna stand out, because you probably, well, maybe you'll do a lot of bikey weddings and you won't stand out, but you're gonna stand out as a, as a character per se. So whether that is maybe your thing is wearing a purple suit and there's not many purple suits at weddings. Um, so maybe that's how you stand out and, and when you get up there in front of everyone and obviously you've got the advantage of you know being in pole position. You, there's a position you can stand at a ceremony that commands attention which is generally where the celebrant stands right up in the middle uh, where the bride and groom or the couple are going to stand. I must apologise for consistently saying bride and groom. It's twenty years it's of muscle memory.
1: F- it's hard. It's exactly
2: it, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean it as a. It's as couple, a but it's disrespect. It's a, it's just muscle memory. You know, I try to, I try to talk as generic as I can, and um, the re- the reality is that ninety nine percent of the weddings that that we do are bride and groom, at this point. So anyway, I'm getting off track. Um, so so as long as you're yourself up there, I think that that's, goes a huge way towards confidence and that will generate focus on you. And also, if, if, if you don't have a unique style, maybe what you do is you just present really, really well. And you can, there's no such thing as a celebrant being overdressed, uh, unless it goes against the couple's wishes. But generally, um, the celebrants that I see that, that command my attention up there, are usually like if you they're usually well presented and if you think of um, generic celebrant is about a you know fifty to sixty year old female and but there's a big difference between one who presents really well and one who's just sort of you know jumped in her car that afternoon with whatever she was wearing and whipped on down to the venue to to rock a ceremony yeah. out so yeah i'm not sure if that actually gives any good advice or help but i think good presentation goes a long way towards
1: awesome i love it i think i think it helps josh does it help you yeah i needed
0: more presence yeah i, yeah, uh, I thought you did <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, actually on that note glenn because uh, you spoke at the conference about emceeing and uh and we'll hopefully be able to share that with um some people on the celebrant institute soon but uh I I said something that you um that you rebuked in in the moment, and uh, I emceed two weddings this week and just gone, and I, uh, I I walked away um from the two weddings thinking God I've really got to work on this and and what because uh, you I think you asked about how to how to get people's attention or how to start talking when you are a reception something it was uh, questions around those lines and um and i answered uh from a radio point of view that on radio we were always taught that uh that whenever you start a break like don't necessarily waft on and go talk about nothing but just know that the first five ten seconds of you talking aren't being listened to intricately and i, I still think that's absolutely true but then uh, but then when i would MC i would just open up saying stuff that wasn't necessarily super important like i'm not telling everyone where the toilets are just yet uh, but I'll just say, you know, you know, hello everyone. My name's Josh. I just kind of talk for five, ten seconds to a point where everyone would be listening. Uh, but I did what you told me to do or told all of us to do, which was just to uh, bring this presence uh, by addressing the crowd and then stopping and waiting for them all to give you uh, give you their attention. And it was it was fascinating to kind of watch that happen because I I think I did it in a a good way, but it wasn't good enough because it probably took about twenty seconds for everyone to come around to actually realizing that I was standing there with a microphone, wanting to talk to them, and uh, (laughs) it was it was beautifully awkward and amazing and special. And gosh, I am how how good is them seeing weddings? Like it's just such a beautiful (laughs) environment to exist in.
2: Well, it's it's funny because I I probably did a disservice by by explaining that to you all because I, I was you know in the. The however many minutes I had to communicate with you all, that was a, a very small portion of it, and I was trying to communicate something that I probably spent, you know, more than ten thousand dollars and you know many many days in workshop learning how to do, and so so to kind of have me communicate it in sort of ten minutes is probably I did a disservice to you, so I apologise, but I, I would I would say that the twenty seconds you thought it took was probably only about five or ten. And yeah, it just feels, it feels bad when you're up there and you're expecting something to happen. Cause it, I, I can tell you, it still happens to me when I get up there and do my attention statement and it, it flops. I I know full well that it's flopped and I have to do it again. And, and uh, it's not fun, but, <laughs> but when it works, it's pure magic.
0: Well, uh, on that note, I... Um... I want you to tell us uh, about education that you've undertaken slash that you'd recommend in that public speaking, emceeing space. Uh, But straight after you kind of do the thing you came on the podcast to do, that if you had the ear of every single celebrant in the room, what would you tell them? I think
2: the most important thing celebrants should be doing is videoing their ceremonies. Uh, As simple as a You know, camcorder from 1994 on a tripod right up the back corner just taking in the whole room you want to try and get so you can see uh, yourself up there and and but you can also see the guests heads because when you can see their heads even if it's the back of their head you'll generally be able to identify when they uh, when they drift off when their heads down they're looking at their phone most likely or checking their flies done up or shoes are done up or whatever um, but you're going to see a lot of things. You're going to see a lot of things layout-wise. So how you stand, where you stand, any of those sort of physical uh, ticks or um, <clears throat> repetitive phrases that you use. You can watch through the video and count your ums and ahs if, if that's what you want to do. Uh, anyone who does Toastmasters, there's usually an um counter or an R ah counter. <clears throat> and it doesn't have to be an um or an ah. Uh, a, a kind of vocal crutch is when you say the same thing. Uh, the word like is something that, you know, anyone who watched Clueless back in the 90s um, would would get that. So we have these crutches that we use that might not be an um or an ah, it might be something else that we use. Like, like, or so, and so on and so forth. So I, I think that's essential is watching that video, uh, seeing, first of all, identifying anything that you saw in the video that you disliked. So you might go, oh wow, I I really seem to always stand a bit closer to the bride. Whereas I should be standing right in the middle or maybe I'll try it standing off to the side or maybe I'll try this. And you you don't wanna kind of watch one video of yourself performing and then try to change everything. I think that's a really bad way to go about it because then you're gonna be in your head the whole next ceremony, worrying about 30 different things Whereas you could watch and go, okay, the one thing I'm going to change next time is I'm going to make sure that I've, I'm going to make sure my tie is straight because my tie is slightly off to the left in that whole video and it annoyed me or that my shirt was a little bit untucked at the side or I should do up one less button in my jacket or whatever it is that you identify as one little thing that you can fix. And then the next one you watch, you change one more thing. So you're worried about one thing every time. And I'm not saying you have to do this every ceremony. If you do this once a month, by the end of a year, you'll have improved 12 different things. And that's just in one year. And if you think of, you know, most people wanna be doing what they're doing longer than one year. So you're gonna constantly be improving. If you wanna go next level with it, sit down with a celebrant that you respect and get them to watch it. So Josh, you mentioned you never get to see other celebrants be celebrants. So maybe Sarah can record her doing a ceremony and then you guys watch it back together and then be open to, to the feedback that you're gonna receive. Have, like for example, if you gave it to, to, to me to look at, that's kind of weird because I don't, I'm not a celebrant, you're gonna be, I might identify different things but they might not be the things that you wanna change. Whereas a celebrant that you respect, they're gonna most likely respect you and they're gonna to wanna to help you improve as well. So whether you have someone in your local market that you can do that with or, you know, through the magic of technology, you can do that, you know, with anyone. You could connect with a celebrant uh, in a completely different state. So it's not a competition thing. It's just a helping each other out thing. And you'd be surprised at the benefits that will come from that. So that's the one thing I think uh, more and more celebrants should do is just video themselves and, and look to change or improve one little thing each time.
1: Such good advice. Excellent.
2: Was there another part to that question that I ignored? or was training. That, I think the tr- the training that I use and recommend is from a guy named Mark Ferrell um, and the, the workshop is called a Marbecker workshop. There's a Marbecker MC workshop. There's a Marbecker love story workshop, the, which is like a storytelling kind of thing. Uh, there's announcing and, and, and something else. Um, but I've done the love story and the MC workshops. I've done about eight, I think, all up. And if you're a celebrant looking to be a wedding MC, then, or any MC, that is gonna be the best investment you ever make into yourself as an MC. The difference is astronomical. And um, there's probably other things you can do as as training. Um, Like for example, Toastmasters is always a good thing. If you find a good Toastmasters group, uh, you want to you be the dumbest person in that room, and that's because you'll learn a lot more. If you're, the, if you're the best MC in Toastmasters, then you're in the wrong Toastmasters group. Just go find it, try a different group. And you can always try different ones until you find the one that's gonna, that you're gonna learn the most from and that you can help that group as well. So it's not just about taking, it's about you know, helping others as well. But Toastmasters is good. Uh, Marbeca workshops, which is M-A-R-B-E-C-C-A, Uh, I think they're mostly in the US. They've come to Australia once, we brought them out, but um, generally they're in the US and they they travel around. So I think the website is markferrell.com. I think it's M-A-R-K-F-E-R-R-E-L-L.com. I think that's what it is anyway. But I'm sure Josh will be able to find that and put a link in the podcast notes if that's a thing. Absolutely okay good. Uh, so that's that's I've done a few different workshops which are mostly uh, wedding MC related kind of uh, microphone technique workshops where we'll do a small thing and it's sort of a I'll jump up on the microphone do a thing and then the, the teacher the coach whoever you want to call it, they'll give you a quick critique and then it's on to the next person those things are valuable once you've kind of got a start but I think any celebrant looking to be a wedding MC, then a Marbeka workshop is, you know, in my mind, it should be kind of required learning.
0: The, the word, like MC, literally stands for Master of Ceremonies. Uh, like, there's as a celebrant, we're doing a ceremony and we we're kind of the master of it. So I know that they're different jobs as far as wedding run sheet goes, but I I, I see a fairly fairly close correlation, if if only that maybe the celebrant in the MC role is maybe a little bit more on mic because there's this scheduled period where we're going to uh, create a moment for the couple to exchange vows and everyone to clap as they make out. Like it's a little, maybe a little bit more of a structured MC role um, as opposed to maybe the more minimalist role that that, that we like with wedding and uh, wedding reception MCing. But there's like I'm I'm I've got no doubt that the skills are very transferable. Yeah,
2: I agree hundred percent. And if you're not sure, then you can contact. Um Mark Farrell is the coach and, and Rebecca Farrell is his wife and that's where how Marbecker becomes a thing. But if you reach out to them, they are the kindest people you will ever meet in your life. And if you say, this is me, this is, I just want to do this, are your workshops going to be beneficial? They will not lie to you. I don't think they know how to lie. They are not great salespeople for their workshops. <laughs> because, but, but they do great things and you'll never feel as vulnerable as when you're in that workshop, but you'll also never be in a, is in such a supportive environment. You know, it is not unusual for someone to be brought to tears in a positive way in that group. I remember my first ever workshop. I had recently at the time won a, an award for MCing, and I was thinking I was pretty, you know, I was top dog. And then I went there and within about an hour, I realized that I, I am. I've been doing every one of my couples a disservice, and 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 Mark identified this on my face. He said, "You know what's what's going on in your space right now? You're not, you're not with me." And I said, "Look, I just, I just feel like now that I know some of this stuff you're 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 coaching on, that I feel I've ripped off every other couple I've worked for." And uh, the advice he gave me was was something that that I think everyone should know is that. he he said you know what you might feel that way but it's not true he said I can tell by the way you are that you gave every single one of those couples the absolute best job that you could do at the time information that you had and and I was like damn how are you Mm. so good you can know exactly what to say at any one point and uh but that's that's just the way they are they're very perceptive to people and they 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 do an amazing job and for me it took a lot to, to spend the money to go over there and do it because it is a sizable investment, don't get me wrong. It's the Obviously, it's a flight to the US and there's accommodation and all those things and the workshop and the US dollar kind of sucks compared to the Aussie dollar right now. But but if that hasn't repaid itself a hundred times, I don't know what has. It's like I say, if I could only ever have done one
0: lot of training, that's what it would be. I was Brian and um, Danielle's uh, celebrant, whoever yep. many moons ago that was, and I remember, uh, just meeting oh, yeah. people yeah i um I, I think i'm i might have been just talking to people after the ceremony or uh, anyway but i remember he introduced himself as mark ferrell and i thought oh my god i'm about to do a ceremony in front of this guy and he was like he uh, i didn't it wasn't a place where he was requested to give feedback or that I asked for it, and he didn't. But I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm I, I feel like I'm doing, uh, you know, I feel like I'm doing acting in front of Tom Cruise." I, uh, I, I felt <laughs> so nervous. <laughs> so yeah, that
2: was Brian, Brian, and Brian's wedding was actually instrumental in having Mark come to Australia to do workshops. However, many years ago that was now it's a while back, and. The the one I felt for was uh, Brian had brought in his friend Gary from the UK. He used to live in Brisbane. And he moved back to the UK to MC and DJ his reception. And I thought, oh my God, can cool. you imagine? Banger. And Gary's been Gary's been trained by Mark as well. And I was like, oh my God, I I, I that I don't get nervous MCing, but I tell you what, I would be packing my dacks if if I had to do a wedding where Mark was at. And it's it's not because he would be mean or critique it or say anything bad about it. It's just that when you know someone in that room knows exactly what they're looking for. This is why my wife can't ever watch me MC. It's because she knows when I'm not being genuine. And, and she just has this look on her face and, I, and it's very distracting to me. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, yeah, anyway, that, that's, the, that's the one training educational thing that i would recommend for anyone looking to be an mc and i, I believe it would be probably beneficial to celebrants as well
0: well like uh, glenn it's been an absolute honor to have you on our podcast and uh and as i uh introduced you at the conference um you've always been generous and kind and lovely to me uh even even though there's there's things that you and i um like we're, we're, we're not carbon copies we approach the industry from different angles we've got different thoughts and views And through that, you've always been uh, kind and generous and lovely. So thank you again. And uh, maybe you could just wrap up by letting people know how to find uh, you and G&M online in case uh, they want to find out more about you guys.
2: I am Glenn Mackay on pretty much Facebook. I don't really do much other social media. I don't even do much Facebook, to be honest. But it's Glenn with two Ns. Mackay is M-A-C-K-A-Y. Uh, you can connect with me on Facebook if you want to. I don't generally friend randoms though, so make sure you message me with who you actually are before you send a request if you're that way inclined. Uh, our company is um, GM Event Group on pretty much every social media thing that is around, or G N M Event Group if you can't find us. But our website, gmeventgroup.com.au, uh, that'll connect you through to our YouTubes and our Instagrams. and. All those other things that exist
0: Thank you again for joining us mate It's been a pleasure
1: Thank you so much well, and, I, and I
2: should just apologise one last time To all celebrants <laughs> uh, we,
1: we,
2: I, I do love you And I don't mean to offend
1: No and like like, really and truly It's this is not about You know we're, we're certainly not sitting here saying All celebrants need to follow what Glenn Mackay says you, you, It's ace and it's amazing That you can share your feedback with us But people need to take from it What works for them Uh and, Absolutely. you know, because you are coming from a, from a different perspective of 99% of our guests in that you see weddings every single week. So, you know, you see all these things happen a long time, where, whereas 99% of our guests, it might be their only wedding that year. So, it's a different perspective. But I think as a celebrant, we talk, you talked about uh, needing to be open to learning and i think we need to be open to hearing from other suppliers in the industry about what we could do differently what they think and that's why we wanted to have you on i think it's been amazing
2: awesome and i applaud you guys for putting on educational content for uh, the celebrant industry or any of the wedding industry because i think we need more and yes, more we
1: absolutely thank you so much glenn it's been so great
2: you're welcome thanks guys
0: this has been the celebrant talk show Uh, my name is josh withers Uh, the other person there is sarah and you've been listening to glenn Mackay be our guest you can uh, find other episodes at celebrant.fm and uh, the best thing you can do if you listen to this and you're thinking oh my gosh this is the best podcast i ever heard uh then the first thing you can do is throw all of us lots of money but if you don't want to do that then leave a review on all the different podcast things and share it around make sure other people hear it that'll be great sarah have a good week you too talk soon